Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. Welcome to another episode of Strictly Business, the podcast where we speak with some of the brightest minds working in the media business today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein with Variety. Peaky Blinders just kicked off its final season on Netflix in the U.S., but fear not, fans, this show's going to live on via brand extensions far beyond the usual merch. We're talking stage production, virtual reality, even a ballet. That's just the beginning of the unusual business model employed by my guest today, producer Karen Mandebach. More with her in just a moment. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. 
like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. My guest today is Karen Mandebach, one of the executive producers of Peaky Blinders and so much more. Her name is well known to any student of TV history, with credits including TV mega hits like The Cosby Show, Roseanne, That 70s Show, just to name a few of what she's produced with former partners Marcy Carsey and Tom Warner. Thanks for joining us, Karen. Hey, thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me. Great. So let's, I want to start with the basics because you are unique in the TV landscape as a true independent, but I want to make sure people understand what exactly that means. So walk us through your arrangement. All right. Well, I started in the business uh, with Marcy, actually, who hired me having left uh, ABC uh, a long, long before dirt, a long time ago. And uh, she was going to be an independent uh, she was, I was the first person she hired because I was already a producer, which was weird, of course, because I was a woman and young at that time. She then wanted Tom to join her. So I was actually hired before Tom, but that was the indie of all indies. You know, we, we ended up being so fortunate that it was um, the right time, but also we were good. And Marcy used to say that Eisner, who was earlier than her boss, just wanted one hit a year. Just give me one hit a year. And if it's not there, find it. What is it? It's missing. It should be there. So that was the training is to be independent. And then uh, we saw the writing on the wall in uh, after the FinCEN ruling for all the kids out there who don't know what that is a long, long time ago, the network, the networks having no experience in producing things themselves decided what a good idea, we'll take a chance at it. This was around the time that we were doing Third Rock from the Sun. And uh, I actually have a t-shirt that says, uh, I survived 14 time slot moves Third Rock from the Sun, because <laughs> because they used us to build up their uh, nascent offerings, 14 of which didn't work. So we were used to being uh, kind of an independent and then used for the networks themselves to buttress their own efforts. Uh, having had that, Marcy went her way, Tom went his. I uh, left and I did Nurse Jackie as an independent. I had a deal with Lionsgate, uh, which six weeks later, God, Nurse Jackie just popped right out. It was great. Yeah. Um, it was wonderful. And then uh, I took that sort of idea of the business model. It was my IP, actually. The real nurse Jackie was my goddaughter. Who cares? But true story. And um, huh. yeah, so I sold the IP to them. They were great. Lions Game was great. And then uh, uh, I thought, what a good idea. I'll just move to England because they'll let me. I've gone to school here. I have friends here. And they'll let me, you know, they'll let me be an independent because we were sort of Oh, you know, they'd say they wanted uh, Sony or or somebody to be one of their you know arms dealers as it is. No, they really didn't. It was like my show, your show, my show, your show. Well, your show's better, but it is my show. 
Right. So there were no indies within a minute. We were run out of town. So here in England, they were extremely open to it. it. It was the business model. It still is. And it's a very healthy ecosystem. So how that works is you invest your own money. Right. You go to the bank. Much as I remember Marcy had to mortgage her house to set up the Cosby show in, um, in New York. So I did the same. I didn't mortgage my house, but I moved and uh, then got lucky. That's the second thing you got to get lucky. Invest your own money, then get lucky. And I guess you got lucky stumbling upon Peaky Blinders. Uh, talk about how that came to light. How, you, how did you get that show going? Well, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything you know, complicated. Steve Knight, I guess, looked at our background, having once been a comedy producer himself, and decided that myself and uh, the guy who actually does the work, Jamie Glazebrook, um, it, it were perfectly good for this project. He pitched actually two projects. We went to Ann Mensa, who is a, a buyer now at, at Netflix. She was at uh, the BBC at the time. She said to Steve, which one do you want to do first? He said, I want to do Peaky Blinders first. She said, great. She commissioned it, and then she left to go to Sky the next day. <laughs> oh, man. So there you have it. And then six months later, um, you know, we got a green light. Now, what was it about uh, a show about turn-of-the-century gangsters that was, to you, something to bet on? What, what was it about this intellectual property that you had such faith in? I believe that the outsider is the person that we should talk about most, the person who wants something that and is not currently represented. That's whether that's a middle-class black man or an overweight uh, white working-class lady. Not, neither of those people or those images have ever appeared on television. Or in a funny way, uh, that 70 shows representative of it, you know, who's, I remember the distribution guy saying to me, well, Fox just uh, got baseball. You better do 18 to 49-year-old men. And I said, well, there's no such thing as 18 to 49-year-old men. You know, there's only like 18-year-old men and 49-year-old men. So I did the math, and that's how the 70 shows. But they weren't represented at the time, that kind of kids today. So whatever generally isn't on, and if they're outsiders, no one cares about them. It's the people who aren't there, and certainly uh, the men who've been um, so traumatized by the war. And that, how that continues through time. You know, my dad fought in World War II and he still hung his thing up, but he wouldn't talk about it. Right. So it, it's every outsider recognizes every other outsider. So that's the trick to Peaky. And also, too, Steve's having written the most extraordinary, dirty, pretty things in Eastern Promises. You know, you'd have to be an idiot not to note how pretty is. Yes, the, that great, uh, that was David Cronenberg that who uh, did that movie. Um so talking about outsiders, you were a real outsider in the UK, despite all your success in the US. 100%. What, how on earth were you able to get traction in the UK business being a relative unknown? Yeah, again, uh, the intellectual environment and the ecosystem was open to people like me. I was a, I was a Brit to the extent I needed to be. And um, later I actually did, you know, pass the citizenship test and stuff. But in a, in a way, I'd hung out in Britain for so long. I'd always bought uh, the rights well before everyone to various television shows that were British because I went to school here. And I felt, especially in comedy, I felt comfortable with the language of it. I don't know. I was just lucky again. And I think they did respect the job of producer um, wherever you came from. Got it. So getting back to being an independent uh, is it, it's safe to say that 
there is no way you could have done what you did in the UK here in the US. Mm-hmm. Why is that the case? I want you to sort of break that down and how the UK has been able to sustain uh, the independent role. Well, in the first place, uh, I believe that the FinCEN rule long ago was uh, something that the uh, corporations needed because though they had 40%, technically they didn't do anything. They had, they had one show, I think, um, I can't remember, maybe it was that um, uh, Civil Shepherd one with Bruce Willis that, that they actually owned and that they actually produced. They didn't have the skill set. They were just distributors. So Marcy uh, long ago empowered people to be indies. So there was Erin Spelly. She empowered those people. She empowered Susan to do uh, Golden Girls. This was These were not production companies. So then conceptually production companies, indies became really popular because they did the work. They really did all the work. Everyone... Uh, well, my age anyway, we'll remember uh, corporations didn't do the work. Les Moonves ran uh, Warners at the time, and he had 11 shows on uh, and only one in the top 10. I had uh, three shows on and they were one, two and three. Wow. In, you know, sure. For a long time. Unbelievable. Because you're focusing on the one thing, which is the, the work, <laughs> you know, sure. and as much as you admire corporations now in the UK, uh, the, there was always a culture because don't forget it's it, there aren't money making corporations. They're just a there. You sign a check if you want to be part of the uh, uh, the ecosystem that gets so much money, so much um, benefit for their money. I personally would pay for BBC just for Radio Four. You know, you okay. get radio, you get TV, you get sports, you get everything from the BBC for just a, so it's government run, and people really, really feel strongly. It's the best brand. You know, people feel super strongly about it. Whereas, do you really care which corporation does well in the overnights? Mm-mm. So what about this age that we're in now with global streaming services like Netflix, where Peaky Blinders plays in the U.S. and so many other markets? Is the independent any more or less advantaged uh, in this world where you're, you're, you're playing with companies that make the, the ABCs in the U.S. from 20 years ago look like mosquitoes. Yeah, um, I think you're not, I think everyone is struggling to figure out how to deal with them. And they're behemoths and they give you money and you're grateful on the one hand. Uh, on the other hand, it's very difficult if you're a corporation like Disney's having a problem now. You know, everyone's having a problem. So it's difficult no matter how you look at it. Um, to interface with these behemoths, but I, I'm just I'm just so lucky. It's just astonishing. You now, can't even believe how lucky. You, you do work with a distributor, I believe. Tiger Aspect. Um, no, Tiger Aspect is not a distributor. It's called Banajay, the company. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they distribute the product. But what is distribution? Basically, it's calling up Netflix and saying, uh, "Would you like this show?" You know, this was back in 2012. Okay. Okay. So in terms of this new world and the the streaming giants that run it, there's been increasing talk or frustration with the so-called cost plus model, getting paid up front, not getting any back end. How does that sit with you? Not well. It doesn't sit well with uh, Jeff Sagansky. It doesn't sit well with Peter Chernin. It doesn't sit, those are kids that I grew up with. You know, it's not... um, 
it's not easy because you're not incentivized, but it is what you've got. And I really truly believe that being an indie is the best thing you could possibly be right now. I think there's a lot of energy and sure there's trouble, but there's so much energy coming from the what remains of the independent sector everywhere. And obviously if I, I live in Europe, so an hour and a half from now I'm in Amsterdam, you know, and an hour and a half from now, you know, you're in Reno, but you know, it, it's a, it's a larger, I mean, apart from Brexit, it's a larger community of a lot of independent, brilliant people. So back in the day, Roger Corman, you know, it's never, it's never going to end being the indie. So we'll face whatever problems we've got in terms of distribution and we'll do it. If we have a hit, we're going to have a hit. Well, to that point, I guess my question is, how do you know whether you have a hit in a world where these streaming services don't necessarily give you much, if any, relevant data to the performance of your show? It's just initially, because this all happened to me at the time it was happening to everybody, my timing was great, you know, and lucky as ever. So how do I know? I think you're you're looking at uh, ratings here initially, but then luckily social media happened at the exact same time when Peaky was beginning. So I mean, we have amazing social media stats. We have 6 million Instagram followers. We've got, and all over the world, I got the report from Parrot Analytics. It is a stunning example of how popular, how much we've affected people. And how did we know? We got um, so much feedback from so many important, especially artists, called us, talked to us from odd places, you know, really strange. The artists would do it for less money than they, it was all, it all came from the generosity and the spirit of the folks that we worked with and we're lucky to work with. All of our villains are unbelievable. They didn't have to, you know, do Peaky Bunders. How about the music itself? The essence of rock and roll, all those deals that we made, no one got paid what they should have gotten paid. It was for love. And it was, for, it was so that's the answer to the question. You, you do good work and a lot of people want to be associated with you. We'll be back in just a minute with more with Karen Mandebach. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss. A common mistake that a lot of people do, they use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using fabric softener. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? (laughs) Yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. 
Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. We're back with Karen Mandebach, who is talking to us about the sensation that she produced known as Peaky Blinders. Karen, I want to talk now about this, I, I hope you're not offended if I call it an aggressive brand extension strategy for Peaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk, walk us through what your strategy is because it's, it's quite interesting. Well, if you were, um not to compare myself uh, in any way to George Lucas, but if you if you did a great and family at the center of, of what we're talking about, if you did a great hit, you didn't you don't know the manifestations, you don't know that there'll be DVDs, you don't know that there'll be laser toys, you really you know you don't know, but you ask questions. So I just asked everybody, what do you think? Because people here in England uh, go to a bar mitzvah dressed up as as a Peaky Blinder. There are weddings right around my neighborhood, all Peaky Blinder themed. They embody the feeling of the Peaky Blinders so deeply, the haircuts the you know, I went to Paris the other day and some waiter said to me something and I just looked and I said, I bet you're a Peaky Blinder. He said, yeah, I am. And he said, but if my father ever knew I was talking to you and I said, tell me more. He said, my father and I don't speak except for we talk about Peaky Blinders. So, (laughs) so the, the depth of the appreciation, I mean, the social media, um, demands uh, that uh, we've been given by Parrot Analytics are off the charts. They feel it. So what does that mean? I don't know. It's a, it's a great adult, not child brand. So we don't, aren't, aren't going to do toys or obviously razor blades, but um, there, there's a, a media, it could be animation, you know, uh, it, could, it could be virtual reality. I don't know. Right now we have immersive theater opening in Camden. I think it's going to be a big hit in, um, in July. You know what I mean by immersive theater? It's sort of well, like interactive. Yeah, please explain a bit more what that is. <laughs> um, the the improvisational acting community, of which I was a part long, long, long time ago, uh, invites you to this. This is in Camden. It's a uh, giant former horse stable, uh, grade two listed. So, you know, don't take it down. Uh, and you come and you give us your money and then actors invite you in. And then you don't know what's happening to you, but you're improvising with actors. And they're going to take you through a Peaky Blinders experience. And more than that, you needn't know because we're not telling our secrets, but fans of the show will be, it's kind of like going to Disneyland and being a pirate. Wow. I mean, but where does an idea like that even come from to do that? The, the theater community. And, uh, you know, also where does the idea we're doing the Ballet Rambert dance company is doing a Peaky Blinders uh, dance uh, and, you know, uh, we can't call it ballet. It's a dance performance all over England and starting in Birmingham and then hopefully all over the world. So that in that case, it doesn't sound like it. the execution on that particular IP, does that not originate with you? Do they come to you and you license? And They come okay. to us and we say it should go a little like this. And then we look at their work and we just thank them. There are so many talented people that want some kind of, don't forget, it's, a, it's like a four quad thing everyone likes it men women young old you know everyone who's got netflix basically and bbc iPlayer here so it's an incredibly 
deep experience. They really feel in it. I don't so, know how to explain it. I, I really wish, because it's like magical thinking to a certain extent. I want to feel like they feel. They really feel it deeply. There's, if you read, you know, just the statistics on the on the data about how people are experiencing it, they love it. And it's because they want to they want to embody the difficulty and the and the joy of uh, trying to be aspirational in today's society. So are all these extensions uh, people coming in to you and saying, hey, we want to do X, or does it ever flow the other way where you guys say, hey, we have an idea for this, let's go find someone to execute? It's mostly the former um, because, because it's really difficult to get your brand extended in any meaningful way. And so, yeah, we, we go to, well, obviously we do the movie and, and TV spinoffs, that's us, but it's the, that's what you'd expect. But the other stuff is so um, important because people really feel it and you've got to honor that. It's a two-way thing. Now, virtual reality and Peaky Blinders, how, how do these two come together? I can't even imagine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We, we're just at the beginning mm -hmm. stages. Who knows? Do you even understand it? I mean, you know. I talked to Matthew Ball, he speaks to me and I'm like, I don't, what is he saying? But I do vaguely understand the, the concept and it's the universe you want to embody. You're playing a role and it's, um, I'm not saying it's biblical, like, you know, the Magi, the Christmas pageant, but it, it does have, it has a deeper meaning to, well, everybody fits into the universe in a way. I know I'm at Polly for sure. So from a business model perspective, it doesn't sound as if all these extensions are sort of, you know, critical to making the, the best profit you can off the show. It almost sounds more like it's gravy, like it's happenstance. Uh, is that fair to say? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Again, ask George Lucas. <laughs> it worked mm -hmm. out for him. But in the, because, um, you know, he borrowed money from his friend uh, Francis Coppola in order to do movie too. So I, re I really don't, I don't know how it's going to turn out. We all are in uncharted waters, aren't we? All of us. Well, let, let me put it this way. It's not as if when Peaky Blinders first started, you said, okay, no. okay. So this is something that just sort of, it happened and it's like, okay, the let's take it. Right. You know, it, 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 we're, we're just responding to whatever's happening on earth right now. Uh, we just are very lucky that I own the IP. And there's, I mean, there's more, there's jewelry, clothing, themed barber shops and pubs? Well, now the Bushmills one is interesting because there was some legal action around that. You know, you had yeah. other beverage producers that went of their own accord to make mm -hmm. Peaky Very Blind. naughty. Well, were they naughty? I want you to walk through the legal issues here because I think to them, they didn't feel as if, because Peaky Blinders is sort of a piece of UK history that they felt they needed to even get your permission to do that. And I, I gather you disagree. Yeah, we did. And we won. But um, I don't know the legal technicalities. There's everywhere. If you walk around in, in London, there's a place called Perky Blenders, you know, the coffee place. <laughs> so it's, it's, being, it's, it's being usurped in every possible way. The specifics of the Bushmills things, I don't know. All I know is uh, you can get some Irish whiskey because that's what Tommy Shelby drank. Okay. Um, I mean, let's put it this way. Do you have people, accountants whispering in your ear that, you know, if all these brand extensions go well, this could be, you know, like the, the, like the syndication money train of old or, 
uh, hey, this is just a little incremental profits and enjoy it. Like, gosh, I wish I knew. Okay. But, uh, we, we feel so passionately about honoring Steve's vision. It really is an important thing. And, you know, we get a call at the very beginning. We got a call from Snoop Dogg, who said he just really responded to it. Like, really, why? You know, then you start to understand it does have meaning to everybody who feels that they're or LeBron. You know, there's there's an odd um, kind of uh, it's the number one show in Brazil. You know, really? It's, it's a, yeah. So you get you get a sense of how meaningful it is to people and you honor that. And whether or not it's remunerative, to be honest, never happened to me before. I have no idea. Now, I'm surprised that whether it's Netflix or BBC, that they're not trying to sort of dick wolf this concept and do, you know, <laughs> Peaky 2 and Peaky Los Angeles or, I mean, is there any, <laughs> any of that brewing? No. <laughs> okay, but why not? I, you know what, dude, I think it's because the, um, the, the, the truth of it comes from uh, people like us who, who've done the work and they're just looking at it like a, a corporate decision. You know, we're, we're very interested in maximizing every bit of profit, obviously. But we have to do it because we feel it. We have to do it because it's the right thing in the right time, in the right place, in the right era, and the right, is it Boston? Or if we do did it in America, would it be, I don't know, where are the gypsies? And what's the, all the, in other words, the creative leads the business. Okay. But, you know, you, you, when you mention something like it's number one in Brazil, could yeah. we see, you know, I'm I'm sure some of your hit shows from back in the day have been recreated in a, you know, localized kind of way. Mm. No, uh, they really, haven't. They haven't. Okay. But, but you know what no. I mean. Other sitcoms certainly have. Could we see a, you know, I don't know, a Brazilian, but uh, Portuguese Peaky Blinders? I mean, I, where I, they... I, could, I could give them the rights. Yes, I, I could. I know... Uh, uh, Turkey, as a matter of fact, had asked for the rights at one point, but I would have to also work with the uh, su the suppliers myself too, because we have to honor the essence of the brand. It's very difficult, you know. Comedy doesn't travel. I'm sure you know that. Mm -hmm. What they laugh at in Spain, uh, they don't laugh in Italy. But in that's why comedy. It's a shame because everybody's trying to cost cut, and comedy would have been a good way to cost cut, you know, because it doesn't cost that much. But to make sure you've got the essence of Peaky in the language, whatever it's going to be, and in the the cultural referencing is really important because don't forget it was also in the context was very important peaky between the wars. Sure. Now you guys are going to be doing a movie, right? Yeah, we're in negotiations. Yeah. Okay. So again, you're this independent and you've explained how that's worked in the TV world. Is it a different set of challenges in the film world? It's, when pretty, you're it's pretty much the same. It's pretty much the same. It's a different set of rights and a different set of, of uh, protections and it's all very but much about um, well you know Netflix's business model so in the case of negotiating with Netflix so it's an, an incredibly uh, challenging time but so what you know it's a lot of fun and since I'm an independent um, there's just it's just another challenge and it's I really do like the buying community too I think there's some really good operators in there so um, I genuinely feel like optimistic about the whole thing well I'm curious about your optimism in a, a world where, you know, the global economy is starting to look pretty dim and we could see content spending that is obviously astronomical right now start to pull back. Does any of that discourage you? 
It does, but where I am to a certain extent, you know, they still have tax credits. So whatever I spend, I get 20% back. There's a, there are ways around that where you don't get hurt if you're an indie. You don't make as much money, but you don't get hurt. Whereas in a corporation, the whole thing, I mean, you know, Disney hasn't even announced its um, international strategy since they decided to do streaming. No, they're, they're, they're far more confused than I am. I have a proposition. Do you want it? How much do you want to pay for it? Okay. And, you know, Peaky was done pretty well in terms of uh, the way we spent. I'm extremely proud of our production. Extremely. We didn't spend the kind of money anywhere near the kind of money that you think we did, considering its cinematic value. Like I said, we got a lot of we got a lot of and love for every one of our directors, love and every one of our actors love. So you, you can you can dine out a lot on if you have the right kind of product. You want cultural. It doesn't have to cost that much. You just want cultural impact. So we're, we're talking at a time where Peaky is at its peak. And so I'm curious what that means for you in terms of, you know, do you have other shows set up out there that maybe have nothing to do with Peaky? Or what's coming next for you? Sure. We've got a ton of things in the pipeline. And it's, it's an incredibly, like I said to me, it's a great time to be an indie. You can call your own shots. And um, uh, I feel like we don't need to prove anything. We're great at producing. That's what we do. That's all we do. I don't have another job. I'm not an actor. You know, I don't have another job. I'm not a director. I'm, I'm a long-term producer and I know what it means. And I so respect people in the community, who, whether they're in the movie business or the television business that have taken the road I've taken because it's pretty nutty. It's like alchemy. It's weird. But when you say it's a great time to be an indie, I, I would imagine some people would really scratch their heads and say, in mm-hmm. this consolidated world, how could that be true? Because you need a hit. And hits are going to come not just from within walled gardens of corporate Correct. giants. Okay. Correct. You got to, you, you know, we developed to a certain extent, uh, you got to get lucky. Like I said, you've got to know it when you see it. But you, nobody is throwing anything up against a wall and hoping that it sticks. You know, everything that we do is really thought out with the buyer in mind. Okay. And so speaking of, of buyers, do you have, you have different irons in the fire now, but is there any one project you could talk about that's farthest <laughs> along in development? That's like- I never talk about development. Never. Really? Ever. I've never talked about it. I, I, it's not on any, because- it's well, it's sort of bad luck, really. I think I just don't, I just don't like talking about it. what's the point. Then you have to list the twenty things you didn't succeed in. So I can respect that, but you are saying you're doing well. There's plenty of other things that you're developing. You're just not talking that's right. about it. Okay. Correct. And, and I'm I'm curious. Do you at this point, given Peaky on your resume and so so much more, you know, why not? Do you have like a like a the ability to command a Shonda Rhimes, Ryan Murphy type deal at a streamer? Why, why not do one of those? I suppose I could, but that's not, that's not fun. You know, I, I'm only as good, you know, uh, that uh, Scott Galloway says, you know, uh, success is in the agency of others. I'm only as good as the people that I work with. I'm here in the country, you know, having every day I talk to a writer. That's all I do pretty much is writer, 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 writer. So I'm good at that. I'm really good at that. So I, I know what I'm good at. And I don't want to have to put myself in any other position where someone else tells me that they want it or they don't want it. It's not fun. This is fun. Okay. You know, really fun, especially since I started in the theater. That's why I'm here. So I, I have a theater background in England. 
And it's an incredibly exciting time to be uh, someone who's, you know, uh, able to do what she wants. Well, you know, the Shonda Rhimes way is one type of payday. Another thing that we're seeing right now is production companies attracting all sorts of investment. You know, the private equity world yeah. uh, rolls up. Is that a place we could see you strike yeah, it sure. rich? I, yeah, sure. I, I, as long as I'm extant, as long as there's there's a version of CMP in there that is uh, allowed to operate. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Some, that's what everyone, all independents hope for, obviously. <laughs> So, so you're actively out there trying to make that kind of deal? No, but I'm I'm happy if anyone, if my phone rang, I'd be really happy to answer it. Well, I, I think as long as you continue to crank out hits like Peaky, the phone will thank be you. ringing. Thank uh, you. <laughs> Karen, thank you so much for taking the Thanks, time Sandy. out today to talk to me. It's my pleasure. Come and visit. <laughs> will do. Thanks. Okay, ciao. Bye, bye, bye. This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that! Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.